0: We would like to acknowledge the Shumash, Keech, and Tongva people, the traditional custodians of the land this podcast is being recorded on, and pay our respects to the elders, both past, present, and emerging. Together we're we'll we're together. My woman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, I've been so stressed this morning.
0: Oh, man.
1: Yeah, I've been so- today, and today's my ice bath day.
0: <laughs> oh, right.
1: I've been trying to make that a... Yeah. A once weekly ritual going to the place with the infrared sauna and the ice spot. I want to do two minutes today.
0: I like Daphne's sauna. Shout out to Daphne's sauna. The sauna you've been going to is too hot for me a little bit.
1: You don't want that sauna too hot.
0: But I do love the cold plunge.
1: Yeah. And it feels like it for me, it's like carrying on from when we were in Sydney in the winter and I was jumping in the harbor every day. So oh, invigorating. Yeah. That kept me sane through that Sydney lockdown.
0: I know. I would drop you off.
1: Yeah. Jumping at Redleaf or something. So Get that cold plunge going. But this is the sitting in the ice bath thing is a different type of stamina or agony or something. Because when you jump in the ocean and you just jump in and get out, it all happens very quickly and you're in motion the whole time. Yeah, I find the stillness of the sitting in the ice bath to be extremely difficult. It's like my body is scared it's going to die.
0: Yeah, for me, it's just the feet get really cold. I mean, you did it with, um, what's his name? Wimhoff.
1: Wim Hof. Wim Hof, that's right.
0: Wim Hof. I mean, look at us. Look the at us. The cream of the, the, the cre- cream. If
1: you're going to get in an ice bath, you go with. So, Wim Hof, we'd heard of Wim Hof, but we were invited to our friend's house in Topanga, Jeff and Skylar, who started Wonderlust. And they had him staying with them, and he was filling their jacuzzi with ice. And I was like, if I'm ever gonna do it, let's do this with Wim Hof. But and I liked it, except there was a child playing with my beard the whole time as a way of handling the anxiety of the cold. But I don't like the guru vibes around Wim Hof.
0: Yeah. I liked him. He got like drunk and that made me feel better about him for some reason. But yeah, I'm you know, you I don't know if you know us listeners but you know we're, we're not into gurus anymore
1: i think they're getting to know us i think we're a little too into gurus that's the problem
0: <laughs> i mean we were not anymore but um but
1: he definitely had that vibe of like people looking at him as if he was superhuman and had some he was special cozy. where's he from
0: he's he scandinavian Scandinavia- he's you know? got that cozy what's it called that
1: Oh, like in Denmark because Yeah. Huge.
0: He has a cozy vibe. Uh, well, he's like a
1: Viking. I mean my, he's fully like a Nordic Viking. But
0: cozy Viking. My cream of the crop uh thing was the one and only time I've surfed was with Kelly Slater.
1: Oh, is that what you call your cream of the crop thing? Is this well, what? we should have a new segment, cream of the crop <laughs> things.
0: I just mean when you do something like kind of once, but it's with the like the top person. And
1: then you never go back again because there's no point. You've done it. You've <laughs> that's done how it ever since. I know, yeah.
0: If I do something once su- semi-successfully, I'm like I have a funny thing about.
1: It's like stooping a supermodel and then just giving up sex forever. Yeah, You're like know, what's where- the where's there to go from here?
0: Like I did it once. I did it all right. Yeah, okay. I did it.
1: Th- this is supposedly the best it gets.
0: <laughs> I was thinking. I don't know if you wanna. Tell this story, but but I like this story of that. Uh, You might not be in the mood. The ice storm and. Oh, speaking of ice. Oh, that's a good segue. Segue into ice. Speaking of ice, tell the story of when you were in an ice storm on tour.
1: Oh, that was horrific. Well, that was, I was on tour, I think it was around the Breathing Tornadoes tour. And the tour ended somewhere. It was like Syracuse or Albany or something. Albany. How do you say Albany? or Albany. Albany.
0: Albany where Albany. my yeah uh, Uncle, where Uncle Michael's if from? You had known. Shout outs. Listen, Uncle Michael comes back again. So this was before we were together. In but the, we
1: did know each other. So the theoretically, 90s. I could have been. But
0: you didn't know Uncle Michael lived in Albany. You could have called him. He, I know. He would have come and gotten you.
1: So I, the tour ended. We were in a little hotel. Like sometimes people think of when you're on tour as being. Very very glamorous but it's often like you're in like a decent hotel in big cities but you you know you take what you can get uh, yeah. when you're on the way so yeah we got th- the band were driving back and i was like i'm gonna fly some i don't know where i was going i was fancy flying- yeah super fancy you're probably
0: meeting up with claire dane
1: sure on that de- that fancy <laughs> delta that fancy <laughs> delta coach uh cross-country flight um so i didn't know where i was going but yeah i was i was gonna fly so i stayed overnight The band drove off. During the night, a crazy blizzard came. I got snowed into a motel. I was a vegetarian at the time. The only food that was available was the hotel was adjoining a McDonald's. So for three days, I had dial-up AOL internet, basic cable, McDonald's hash browns and French fries. And I I did it, man. What were you
0: watching on the cable?
1: uh, Probably Donahue. Donahue is always my favorite. I always found great comfort in Donahue.
0: I know. He was comforting. I don't like those, like, shouting, those early days of those shouting TV. Oh, like Jerry Springer and stuff, I mean, yeah. mean, awful. But some Donahue, yeah, comforting. And there was a guy at the hotel, so it was just the two of you. You could have gotten close. He yeah. was sleeping on the floor. Yeah, well, Why he, didn't he take one of the rooms?
1: I think because you have to be at, someone has to be at reception. But no
0: one's getting in and out.
1: Yeah, that's true. He's
0: a good worker, that guy. I that's mean, true. He had some integrity. Yeah. <laughs> I would have just been like, forget the floor. I'm going in one of these dumb rooms.
1: No, the um yeah, he had he had a lot of a lot of pride in his job. He was there for the clientele in the hotel, which was me.
0: But wait, so the people at McDonald's were working.
1: Yeah. I don't know how they were they were like walk I mean, if you could walk anywhere right. you could walk to, they must have been able to walk well, to the Well, Uncle their house Michael or would
0: have yeah. driven and gotten you somehow.
1: Have you ever been snowed in anywhere?
0: Yeah. When I was a kid, so I saw the movie The Ice Storm in Connecticut, and it reminded me, and I realized why. When I was a kid, I lived in Ridgefield, Connecticut, which is a nice part of Connecticut, apparently. And we lived in a modern house with a sunken uh, living room. This is early 70s. My mom was married to my stepfather, Paul.
1: <laughs> Give us a little background. <laughs> well,
0: he's a drug smuggler.
1: I mean, if you're a sunken, if you have a sunken living room, do you have to be involved in the drug trade? Yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> or and, porn. Right? Uh, well, it yeah. wasn't that, but we, so there was an ice storm and we got snowed in, but I thought it was fun. Cause you know, when you're a kid, the weirdest things are fun. We had to sleep downstairs in front of the fireplace. It was also it was obviously if it's downstairs, that was a reverse house. Yeah, the upstairs had the kitchen, but in any case, there was a fireplace. Important down. details for okay, the It's to really architecture, picture this. Yeah, architecture, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I wonder if it was a cool modern house or if it was really ugly. Hmm. Who knows? But uh, And then we had to sleep in front of the fireplace. And the sad part was we had birds, and my mom forgot, and they froze to death. They oh, were, they
1: were outside? They were No,
0: they were in the kitchen in a cage. Oh, uh. But apart from that, I thought it was kind of fun because things like that are fun. Like once we had a long layover as kids in the airport and Dono and I, my brother and I were really excited because we got to like walk around the airport. And I'm sure looking back, my mother was like, oh no. But as kids, you're like, yay, four more hours at the airport. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's an adventure. Yeah. So we were driving along this week. We were in the car and you said, Ben, make a note. Make a note. I have something to talk about on the podcast. (laughs) And I was like, okay, babe, you tell me. You, you tell are me my I'm
0: here. I'm here
1: for you. I'm here for you. And this is the note you gave me Frankie goes to Hollywood and prints Nikki heavy metal songs talking about sex. Did this lead to Lindsey Graham?
0: I don't know about the did well. Now, take me, I kn- take
1: me through your thought process. I guess Oracle. I was just
0: thinking about those songs that were really sexual, like Frankie Goes to Hollywood, like relax. Oh, right, that,
1: that came on the radio. We were talking about it, like yeah. relax, don't do it when you want to come.
0: Um, and now there's a term for it edging.
1: That's right. Yeah. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, early adapters of edging.
0: Right. They don't, don't, they don't, don't get do the credit. They don't but, get but the credit. He's very casual when you want to come. So it's it's not like... It's not a need. It's not like, you know, you have to. It's like, just relax. It's
1: not red alert. He's moving into orange. There's You're feeling some urgency, but yeah. you've still got control.
0: It's not this kind of you have to wait. It's like... Hmm. But um, Frankie goes to Hollywood. And then I was thinking of the other, like, Nikki, you know, by Pr- Prince, Prince. yeah. Masturbating with a magazine. Yes. And then I was thinking that led into that uh, censorship I knew Frank Zappa at the time, actually, and he was very anti-censorship of songs.
1: Okay, got you. So Prince being overtly sexual, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. There was a lot of overt sexuality in music. Then there was Tipper Gore. Al Gore's wife yes. came in with the PMRC. That's right. Was heavily into censorship and trying to get records labeled. And this was around the time of- do you of,
0: know those things? <coughs> like PMRC? Like you're- I'm a musician.
1: That was a big deal. The Parents okay. Music Resource Center. I just center. mean, not and to then, put and,
0: myself down, but you're so bright.
1: No, but in this area, yeah, this, yeah, is yeah. A, this is an area of No, personal. I remember
0: when this happened, but I wouldn't have pulled
1: that. And out. remember the two kids who- Tried to kill themselves listening to Judas Priest records, and they right, were in that cla- was
0: ear- earlier. No, or was good? it? It was eighties too,
1: and they were playing them backwards, and they thought they heard
0: "Do it, do it, do oh. it,"
1: which somehow was supposedly. I mean, even if it was possible to plant unconscious messages in heavy metal music, and you were hearing "Do it, do it," it could it could be yeah. Anything.
0: That I think that's what you know. The whole that satanic panic was a little earlier. But I think there's a combination of, you know, sure, things can encourage you, like for for sure, but you also, you know, you have to have that kind of mentality. Like for sure, when I see um, people like drinking whiskey and smoking in old Hollywood movies, I think that looks great. Looks so like cool. I yeah. want to, you know, be Humphrey Bogart or whoever having that whatever whiskey and being stressed out
1: so wait do you remember when you were a kid when zappa was involved in all of that kind of stuff like going and speaking at congress and what was you? what's your memory of that
0: i just remember knowing of it because when he wasn't you know he was kind of nocturnal and but you know i hung i ended up hanging out with him which was a rare he was a rare sighting even in the zappa household in some ways
1: like sasquatch
0: yeah and but um that was around I just you know I was a teenager but I remember hearing about it and but did it, would that have been in the 86 anyway 87. I mean, 85, 86, That's when I was sort of around the Zappa's house. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I don't remember. I remember, like, in my memory, this could be made up. He was going to some sort of, you know, panel or something one day. And I remember one of his kids, you know, Dweezil or Moon telling me or something.
1: Well, he was was probably the musician who spoke most articulately against censorship.
0: He was so confident. Yeah. As a person. Absolutely.
1: I really love what Frank Zappa stands for, his thought process, his concepts. The music, I, I, I've i never been like... Whenever I, I always hear it, I appreciate it. I never go like, gosh, I need to listen to some Frank Zappa.
0: I actually couldn't tell you. I couldn't hum...
1: Titties and beer?
0: I couldn't hum a tune. But yeah. I do... I liked him a lot. And there was definitely talk about a guru. Like, the, it was the household. It was as if he was sort of a guru. and I And I think...
1: Oh, was it? Did he have people coming around to pay no, homage? No, just stuff
0: the or? way the family were. Ah. They, you know, also he was the the man, and you know, and so everyone kind of knowing when you come into a situation, knowing someone is seen in that way, you just get swept up in it. And he was handsome and char- he. I don't. That's what I'm saying. Was he handsome and charismatic, or did I just buy into it? Because when he was around, I could feel people being excited that he was around. I had a crush on him for sure.
1: Well, yeah, that's the thing with gurus that there's... That's when
0: Kyle Richards was around.
1: Oh, my gosh. Kyle Richards, guys. We're talking Beverly Hills Housewives. She was
0: friends with Moon. Oh, so... all oh, right. right. So she was her. on
1: that... She was in that little scene.
0: I know. It's such a funny crossover. I mean, Moon had her foot in a few doors of groups.
1: That's right. And Moon became the... She, she's the one who had the hit with Frank with Valley Girl, right? Yeah.
0: Her performance in that is great.
1: Yeah, it is amazing. I love the story of that song, that she was like writing notes and sliding them under the studio door.
0: I came in like after that, had already happened, but that song and everything. But yeah, and what he thought they were really funny.
1: Yeah, and I think he, it, he it became yeah. a way of her bond. It's like when we heard about uh, Howard Stern popping his dad's blackheads.
0: Which I did as well.
1: You popped your grandpa's blackheads. Can I
0: tell you, so... I relate to Howard Stern so much as a neurotic personality and Andy Kindler. Like, I am very neurotic in that way. Yeah, I mean, just... But yes, my grandfather, also Hungarian Jew, like Howard's dad. I don't know if they have more blackheads on their backs. (laughs) Sounds so gross. But as a kid, I loved it. I wouldn't watch Pimble Poppers. Like, I don't want to watch Strangers.
1: No, you want to watch Blood Relatives' Blackheads.
0: Only my dad. That,
1: that's a good concept for a show: blood relative blackheads. <laughs> but, and you, you find a celebrity. It's... Wait, you find a celebrity, and they pop their relatives' blackheads.
0: <laughs> but it's all. But then I'm. If I'm the viewer, I'm still watching strangers.
1: Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah.
0: But um, yeah, I I didn't mind doing it. I don't think I would let. That's the fun. I'm so vain. I wouldn't let my grandchildren.
1: Pop your blackheads. No. But wait, did you ever do anything? Did you ever pretend to be interested in anything to like get close to your brother or your mom, to hang out with them, like to get there? Do you know what I mean? Like well, did you ever sure, my brother interest in something?
0: I mean, I. but then it would become a real interest. like
1: Because you convinced yourself.
0: <laughs> well, no, like my brother loved The Who. Yeah. And then I loved The Who. All the music that he loved. Um, sure, like some of his scenes I didn't quite understand but I would admire them.
1: Now, what about with your mom?
0: Uh, I mean we were so enmeshed in a way like my mom you know I just went around I was like a good little girl so I just went with her to the grocery store I went every I did whatever she wanted she was sweet but I didn't So everything.
1: You pretended to like everything. Oh,
0: I did. Listen, I did. So we didn't have a ton of money growing up at all. And like, for example, if like I needed glasses or shoes, you know, she would say, well, do you like these shoes? Do you want these shoes? And I would say whatever you want me to have. I was like weirdly insecure. And then, and she was sweet. She wasn't like very like over the top with like what she liked. But she would say, well, you tell me, because you're going you're gonna to be the one wearing them. But I didn't want to get something too expensive. But I remember being depressed when I ended up getting the cheaper peach clear glasses, seeing glasses. Well, that
1: is depressing.
0: <laughs> and then I did it because I, they were cheaper. And I think she did say, you should get these. They're less expensive. And then I was like, yuck, I don't want them. Together we're, we do, we're we
1: I don't want to say who it is, but we are uh. branching out into a different type of episode yeah, next week. Yeah, and it's, it's a I feel like, And it's not that, it's not that we're – I guess we always sort of felt that if we were to have guests on our podcast, we didn't want to get into like a straight interview type thing where there's so many pods with people just doing the circuit, interviewing people, promoting things. So we always said we would have guests if it's like a hang – Basically, yeah. and we have orchestrated a bit of a situation where there's going to be a particular type of hang. And it's next week.
0: somebody, a person. Did you say it's a couple? Yeah, it's two okay, people. It's so a double yeah, date, basically. A double date, basically. And the like, I've always liked male friends, maybe because I grew up with a brother. This is the perfect type of man. He's like a funny, angry Jewish guy, uh, and I love funny people. And I love kind of. Yeah, there's a particular type you like love Russell fu- funny angry Jewish people. <laughs> yeah. And I like funny non-Jewish people too, but I like a funny guy who I can go around like I used to love when I'd go to clubs with all the guys yeah, yeah. and there were these sort of funny, you know, and there's actually non-toxic masculinity. Dudes, it, it, maybe I'm in, in denial, huh? Um, I <laughs> don't know. I think, well, they're not jockey dudes, but they're probably toxic in to masculinity. There's in so many types way. of toxic, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah,
1: yeah. many types of toxic to enjoy in this exactly. lifetime, exactly. Well, anyway, my ex- Type of toxic, yeah. I'm excited. We all have our various flavors that we like, exactly. Um, but I'm excited about this. It's going to be fun to, you know, have a little experiment and see what happens. And also, we're going to announce, I think, next. Next week, there's also going to be a new pod on our network, which I'm really excited about. But I, it, it's a musician who I, I'm also know. I was going to be cryptic on this one too, but it's a musician who I love and admire, and you know, grew up uh, listening to their music. And they're doing, they're going to do a great podcast. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. I what found something on
0: eBay. <laughs> tell me what. Tell the audience what you see.
1: I see. A Fountains of Wayne concert poster. Oh, with me at First Avenue. <laughs>
0: what oh, that's is that? a cool
1: poster. What's well, it's? Which part of it don't you understand?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Tell me about it. <laughs> I was looking on eBay as you do.
1: Yeah, it's um seventy bucks.
0: Well, oh, some- Oh,
1: dude, it's a flyer. It's I've, not even a poster. There is some
0: bathing ape. There's a $400 bathing ape shirt of yours. Yeah,
1: but that's a shirt. This is a flyer. It means it's a photocopied piece of like half an A4 of piece of paper. It's True a piece garbage. of
0: garbage. <laughs> this is an
1: absolute piece of garbage. Um, that but someone wait, did. So,
0: where, when was the Fountains of Wayne tour?
1: First Avenue. It's funny because this week is the twentieth anniversary of a record I made called "Hey You, Yes You," and I made that with Dan the Automator, and that was the tour that promoted the record. And oh. I toured. I went out. Was it a good Fountains tour? Well it was it was a great tour and it was also a tour that has taken on, I don't know, a certain type of nostalgia for me or or a tenderness because Adam Schlesinger died at yeah. the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. And so and that was the only tour we went on together. And I just loved the craftsmanship of that band. And that, that tour was actually right after Stacy's mum had come out and was a hit. So right. they were sort of like a big band in that yeah. moment. So yeah, it was really I have good good memories of that.
0: How did you come up with that title, Hey You, Yes You? It's great.
1: Hmm. How did I come up with that? I don't remember the specific moment of wanting to call it Hey You, Yes You, but I do remember that the whole thing had like an aggressive energy to it. It was when I was working with my friend Kenny Hash, the stylist, and he was making those jackets for me. Do you still have them?
0: You have them for so long.
1: I don't, yeah, I think I've got one. Um, And the photos, it was all this broken puzzle stuff that I was doing with Dan Estabrook. And it was all very like deconstructed. And just the whole, I just wanted it to be super confrontational. Yeah. So hey you, yes you, just felt right to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tough guy.
1: I am. I'm a real tough guy.
0: (laughs) That's a laugh that Goldie would say. That was fake. (laughs) It's hard to laugh as an actor. Almost easier to cry. Is it really? Well, laughing genuinely where it's real It's not hard, but it's, you know.
1: Have you ever had to use fake tears? Yeah. Is it, is that, okay, so that moment when you're like, are you trying to cry and then you're like, to the makeup artist, hey, bring on the fake tears? Well, I never
0: did. I used to be very strict and think, no, I don't want that, never. Even if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to do that. You are a purist in that sense, But then as a, a, a director and film lover, I think I like to serve the story, What's best for the story, and you know, so, so also, at some
1: point, the aesthetics of a tear rolling down a cheek are communicative on a visual level, even if it's not yeah, emotionally true. Yes, yeah. I
0: mean, but I would say that the purest is no, but well, I'm thinking of um, in Cold Blood, there's a mo- there's actually this, there's one of the actors couldn't cry, but there was rain on the windowsill coming down, and so it was sort of symbolic of him crying and there is also movie making so yes purely as a performance one would want to really really cry but talk
2: me
1: through that moment when you call in the fake tears is it humiliating yeah is it, every okay.
0: always yeah it's just funny i i think it's a fear of being vulnerable i have a fear like i'm someone i don't want to sleep in public like it's kind of this thing of fear of somebody taking advantage of you.
1: Not like me wanting to sleep naked in front of the cleaning lady when I was six years old. Exactly.
0: You're the opposite. Yeah, and I don't wear like overtly sexy clothes and nothing knock on wood or not knock on wood because it's in the past. (laughs) Nothing ever really awful happened overtly to me, but I just... I don't know I have a funny it's but as an actor I do go for it and I do want I I really love actors and acting and I think I value it I think it's a beautiful thing I don't look down on it so it's not that I am embarrassed it's just it's a funny thing it's hard sometimes Hmm. some people can't not cry like they're I did a play with this actress this was different but she on the same line I was sitting below her during this scene did we talk about this already I don't think so and and every night on the same line, a tear would land on my shoulder. So she knew how to cry, and I I was like, which how not did only did she it? know
1: how to cry? She knew how to direct the tear. <laughs> how did she do that? I
0: don't know.
1: That's another level.
0: Yeah, I. Um, That's
1: tear choreography.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I I don't know. I uh, I'm not one of those people that like you know people say have speeches and they just start crying, or some people have like a reaction where they just like. Can't not cry,
1: but you're not. You don't withhold tears in private. You'll have a big cry. You're good at crying, but not that often. No, it's weird if it happens too often.
0: I mean, there are times in my life where I've had, in quotations, nervous breakdowns where I like cry all the time. Well,
1: why why are you putting them in inverted commas?
0: I don't know because I don't (laughs) nervous breakdown. I mean, hey, sad but true.
1: It's called a spade a spade. (laughs) I felt a massive sense of relief last week of finishing editing this live little sizzle reel i made of my live show i was like it was something i've been working on for like the last few months like putting this big show together with props and costumes and the band and everything and i i wanted to because i think when you've been doing your career or live show a certain way for a long time and i've often done very stripped down like solo or just me and one accompanist i kind of have wanted to reinvent my live show for some time And i was like i gotta like let people know, you know, when you sort of change what you're doing, you have to let people know. So I had this vision of creating this little one minute video and it was really satisfying last week to put it all together. I'll put a little link to it. It's just a YouTube link. I'll put it in the show notes. But it's, uh, I don't know, it felt like a really satisfying thing to go from. It's funny because of how many years of making things we've both have. I still get this sense of kind of wonder at the idea that something can go from your imagination into reality in the course of months. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, I know. You had there's such good craftspeople in Australia.
1: It also helps like that's one of the things They
0: made these people that made the props, they're like top drawer. Yes. Do I use that word a lot? Yes. You should use it, top drawer, yeah.
1: Well part of it is also because of my level of success in Australia, I've got access to a level of craftspeople that There are amazing craftspeople here, but unless you're like Taylor Swift, has access to them. I don't have access to the ones here. Um, So there is something that's great about operating at the in in whatever industry you're in, in whatever country you're in, operating at the top level of whoever the best people are and getting to work with them and getting them to make stuff and so so it's cool so i can't wait so i'm going to do the show in la and new york in january so on the 17th of jan at the moroccan lounge in la and the 19th at berlin under a in new york and just if people i guess like i'm i'm sort of promoting this in a way just to let people know this is a special Type of show. It's not going to be just like, "Hey, like we're going down to Lago and watching me do a few songs." It's I'm really putting on the whole production, That's which is pretty so exciting. Great. Yeah. Ah,
0: oh, so good.
1: Yeah, you're going to come.
0: <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> Of course, I'm gonna come. If I took psychedelics, I would take them.
1: I know. I remember when Tom Robbins said he wanted the musical we were writing. He wanted it should be like taking three hits of acid and going to the circus. I really, I traveled with that analogy and was like, oh my god, I want all my shows to feel like that.
0: I know. So he liked psychedelics.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But but why don't you
0: take them? Like, if someone loves them so much, why don't you? keep doing them if you liked them so much or oh
1: do you mean do them all the time
0: well not all the time but like spoken well, maybe, like a true
1: addict <laughs> if you like if it, it feels don't good know. why do you do it all the time
0: well I just mean like you know a lot like a lot more but I think
1: psychedelics work best at you know lengthier intervals like I don't think they work I don't think they're most functional doing them all the time right right because they really are their peak experiences and peak experiences in general are not meant to happen all the time around the clock they're meant to be you know what about
0: orgasms
1: you still you can't have orgasms all the time
0: I know but that you could once a day
1: and a lot of people do
0: But I guess it's like short. Like if you, like a peak experience of a trip is long. And
1: there are those people, weren't there people that had like weird, like uh, orgasms that lasted hours? Something
0: about that freaks me out. It sounds exhausting. I don't know. I don't like it for some reason. But maybe I'm shame. It's a shame thing.
1: But I think in general, peak experiences, like it's the same with songs. There's there's moments of catharsis within a song, but the whole song can't be a catharsis. It's got to be like, you know, it's all about tension and release. And I think real life life is After the ecstasy,
0: the laundry. As Jack Cornfield wrote. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if you have any questions for us, please send us a voice note at weirdertogetherpod at gmail.com uh, Check out our bonus episode that's, we're going to have another one coming out on Friday where we delve into a little soundbite of something else happening on the Weirder Together Podcast now the, network. the
0: mini episodes are now called um, Oh,
1: what'd you call them? Semi-stiffies? <laughs> or, uh, <laughs>
0: semi's? Somehow it like divulged into semi's. <laughs> <laughs> there's semi episodes and then it became like a semi mini
1: bonus, uh yeah. semi stiffy, something mm. like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And um and yeah, next week there's gonna be a very special episode. special so, boy. special boy episode. So uh thank you. Thanks for putting up with my stress. Yeah,
0: yeah you were in a sour it sucked all the air out of the room. It's like great. Yeah. But we got there, we got back. Yeah. We had a little therapy session. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. Then yeah. a therapy session. No. But I mean, I yeah. feel relaxed.
1: Oh, good. Well, I love you.
0: Moi aussi.
1: See you later, beautiful babies.
0: <laughs> beautiful babies.